Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zimmerman. Kevin, things have happened, but not major things. Yet here we are podcasting. I did not expect this. Yeah, uh, did I expect this? I just expected my 4th of July to be like blown up, my plans. I so expected bigger news than whoever of the three editions you want to say are back, our new sons. Yeah, no shots at them, of course, but none of those guys warrant a headliner of of the start of our podcast. The Kevin Durant talks obviously do. Three hours before free agency, Kevin. Uh, Kevin, the other Kevin, the other one, not the one from Home Alone. I've got like a stock of just like Home Alone characters saying Kevin just to use for the <laughs> yeah. next couple of weeks, and while I go more and more insane by this. This is the first time I haven't had my phone on vibrator silent all day for like four years. Like it's it's been a while since it's been something like this where I'm bringing my phone with me when I when I go to the kitchen when I go to the bathroom like I'm bringing it everywhere with me. That was my experience this past four day weekend. We're recording this on Wednesday. Fortunate enough to get a four day weekend. Shout out on yeah, yeah, thank you. Tight, Floating tight, holidays. Tight. We love to see it. So I'm just waiting for this bomb to drop, and I I think my expectations were that this was going to get done quickly because I had the interpretation that Kevin Durant wanted to come to Phoenix more than he wanted to come anywhere else, and as we have learned and what we're going to go over here over the next couple of minutes, that matters more than anything else over the last five years. I don't care that Kevin Durant doesn't have a no-trade clause. I don't care that Kevin Durant has a fresh four-year deal with no outs on it or anything. He is ultimately going to control where this situation goes because you can sit here and talk about Toronto and New Orleans, but is Toronto going to give up Scotty Barnes if they don't know for sure that Kevin Durant like loves Toronto and wants to be there? No, they're not going to. So all of this is to say that I thought it was pretty much Phoenix and they were going to, those two teams specifically. Now, the tricky part that we've learned since the last time we podcast, John Gambadoro first reported and we have seen similar inklings out there that the Nets are not interested in DeAndre Ayton primarily because sign and trades, hard cap. They don't want to deal with that. So now you got to find a third team, whatever. I just thought the negotiations were going to take place over the next couple of days. Maybe they would get it done by Sunday. Maybe they get it done by Monday, Tuesday. The Nets are holding out. And do you want to hear my conspiracy theory before I toss it off to you? Yeah, go. It is... In the day and age that we live in, Kevin, with how often things are reported, how much is reported, it is beyond shocking to me that a historic trade request like this is so underreported. We are not hearing anything from Woj or Shams or Chris Haynes or Mark Stein or any of those top, top dogs. We have not heard anything from them since the news happened. Now, they've made little TV appearances on their podcasts or shows or whatever. Brian Windhorse has been talking about it on his podcast. 
but the overall information that we're getting out of there is just the same regurgitated stuff that we've been hearing the last couple of days, or what you would just assume, which is, yeah, Toronto's interested in Kevin Durant, but da 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 da. We have not heard that Team X is all of a sudden in the mix now. We haven't heard that Team Y is not willing to include player X in said discussions. We have not heard anything like this, that Kevin Durant prefer- doesn't want to go here, doesn't want to go there. We haven't heard anything since the start of this. And you know why we haven't heard anything like this, in my opinion? Because I think Kevin Durant wants to come to Phoenix, and this is just Brooklyn and Phoenix negotiating. And I think oh, that's what's been yeah, happening. Yeah. I think that's all that's been happening. I don't happening. think that's a conspiracy. Well, I, okay, that's that's my. It's not even like a conspiracy theory. It's just my theory on what is happening right now. These two teams have been negotiating now, I believe, for five days. That is what I will speculate on. And everything else that has been happening has been white noise. Essentially, I don't think that Toronto, New Orleans, Boston, whoever else is getting in the Kevin Durant sweepstakes, is getting anywhere. Because Kevin Durant wants to come to Miami or Phoenix, and Phoenix makes the most sense for a multitude of reasons over Miami, not only for the return for Brooklyn, but just in terms of everything else. And now we're hearing stories come out the last couple of days about not stories, but just people on with microphones saying, well, Miami is an easier one for one deal. Toronto is an easier one for one deal. All this kind of stuff. Why did, Why does that matter? It, it matters what Durant wants. It, it matters what the Nets want. And the Suns appease that both sides so now we're just sitting here waiting for these two teams to get this deal done I don't want to try and sit here I'm trying not to get Suns fans hopes up right now guys but I'm, I, that is what I believe is happening right now that this is just a matter of when and and not if he is not <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll save that for a second go what do you think what do you think's been going on the last couple of days because that's the thing Kevin we're in my favorite time speculation <laughs> season it carried over to this time because again we're not getting any I, I expected us by the next time we podcasted if there wasn't a Kevin Durant trade to have a lot of things to, to jot through. Now, Jake Fisher has done some reporting, and other people have done some reporting. I saw one report that Brian Windhorst said on the Hoop Collective, his podcast, that DeAndre Ayton has had meetings with other teams. Well, he could only have meetings with two teams. There are only two other teams that have cap space for him right now. It's San Antonio and Indiana. So yeah. that's who he's been meeting with, but we don't say it out loud. Why are we not saying it's San Antonio and Indiana? Why is there such a tight restriction around this? Why is DeAndre Ayton not taking an offer sheet yet? I think that's because he already has like a sign and trade in place with another team that we don't know about yet. I think that's what's all happening right now. So, Windhorse fingers up in the air meme. Why is this taking so long? I, I don't think it's surprising at all when you actually look at how difficult it was, but also the Rudy Gobert, DeJounte Murray trades uh, showed how strong the market is right now on protected picks. Even if you say the Suns are going to give literally every pick and pick swap that they can, to the Nets, the Nets should ask for more, and the Nets are asking for more and way more than the Suns are willing to give up right now. And so I, I do think at the end of the day, it does come down to the Suns don't want to gut their roster. The Nets don't want to take not very much in return that's going to be worse than the Rudy Gobert trade, which is absolutely fair on both sides. And then so you say, okay, well, how do you get around both of those things? Um Okay, Pacers and Jazz. The Pacers have pieces if they want DeAndre Ayton. You loop him into this somehow. The Jazz, I don't know, apparently had some interest in Ayton, according to Gambo. But, like, are they going to include the pieces they just got back in the Gobert thing to send out for, what, Ayton? I don't know. Do they want to pay Ayton? I don't know. Um, 
does Kyrie's situation get thrown into this? So I, I think they're relying on third and fourth teams to get involved here. And there's really no reason for those third and fourth teams to even get in these conversations and really say, hey, we're going to try to work this out to help you guys. Because, look, maybe the Lakers and Kyrie, but then you need a fourth team to get the money to make sense. Um, so of the things that need to happen to get more pieces going to Brooklyn to make Phoenix not get gutted, you need other teams really wanting DeAndre in for if he wants a max, then that's going to make it tougher to get done. So I just see this as it really is down to two teams negotiating and they're nowhere close together. And until other teams are really, really willing to get in there, there's no reason. And there's no reason for people to hurry this up. Like the Nets have no reason to trade Kevin Durant before the summer league or even training camp like we'll, we'll he's get gonna to be it. pissed maybe but we'll get to it but the suns have a reason to get this going yes but it's already it's already but gonna they're, happen <laughs> they're not see they're not their leverage is fine that kevin durant wants to go to the suns um even if you say and i don't know gambo reported everyone basically is on the table except for chris and devin which would make sense if kevin durant wants to come here and so shams like, shams did have one inkling of reporting when he joined pat mcafee he was the first person to really say that this is the number one spot for him he was the yeah. first guy to say since that kind of news broke when we're talking about those top reporters again the guys with that standing in every front office, he he's the first guy I've heard say that. Now, Chris Haynes said preferred destination. Woj said preferred destination, but we didn't know what of his preferred destinations is the way it was worded. We didn't know if Phoenix was number one. Sham said it yesterday, and that kind of buys more into what we're talking about here. So to me, the Suns don't have a reason to say, yes, we're going to put Mikel and Cam in there because they don't want to get the roster. What does it look like? It's not great looking after that. Um and again, there's no reason for them to say that right now, even if they are willing to put those guys in there. So I, I just think we're not. It's a really complex puzzle um, that they and the Nets don't really have reason to be talking, which to your point about there's not really been rumblings about this. I'm sure Sean Marks and James Jones have their phone numbers since they were teammates or whatever. They crossed over on the Suns, I think. Um, but anyway. There's no reason for them to be talking really <laughs> right now. No. Uh, and to extend on your point even further, something I tweeted two, three days ago is that nearly every reaction I've had to a James Jones trade since after 2019, when he did the TJ Warren, Josh Jackson, DeAnthony Mellon stuff has been, or signing has just been, oh, that's it. Like when they got Aaron Holiday, it's just, oh, they used an exception to get him that's it for Tory Craig they gave up Jalen Smith in a second round pick I know that didn't it wasn't a trade that worked out for them the Chris Paul trade we were sitting here talking about the protections on the pick and and kind of debating all that stuff and then I remember when that kind of came out just the pick that it was you're like oh perfect okay that's that's great yeah you didn't have to go up really anything else besides that awesome that's been my reaction to pretty much everything he has done it does not surprise me to hear from John Gambadoro's reporting that they don't want to give up. He was, uh, I did Burns and Gamble with him on Friday, and he was saying that he thought there was a chance the Suns were going to be able to do this deal keeping Mikel and Cam Johnson. There's no chance of that happening. No. But for him to believe from who he is hearing from, from whatever side he's hearing from, and you can guess what side he's hearing that from if you. I don't know what side he's hearing that from, but if you hear that kind of reporting, you can guess what side it's coming yeah. from. And for them to believe that, or at least like put that out there 
tells you how far they had to go in negotiations. And I have been trying to, I've successfully, and I'm going to keep successfully not opening um, the can of worms. That's a horrible analogy. I can't really get there. But what I'm trying to say is I'm not going to really dive into what the Suns would be losing here with this type of deal. Yeah. But Mikel is obviously, I think Mikel, when he broke his finger against, I'm, I'm already doing it. I'm, I'm not going to go that far. He's the most irreplaceable player on the, on the team in terms of his, his specific role. Because if Devin's out, Chris, if Chris is out, Devin, no one can do what Mikel does at all. And he helps a bunch of other people. So why should the Suns sit here and try and get this deal done without Mikel Bridges? Because they can't. They're not going to be able to replace him. It's impossible. You know what's? There was quickly reported within a day, even the same day maybe, when the KD stuff came out, that DA wasn't really of interest to the Nets. Um, and again, to we haven't heard much. I, I think Mikel's like a that's a non-starter for the Nets. Like they have to be asking for Mikel on that contract for what he does. Um, there, there's no way. There's no way. And I just think the Suns, even if they're willing to do that, you're still, that's the starting point. And maybe they haven't even had that talk yet. But I think he's a really important part of it if DA's not involved going to the Nets. Because even part, if DA's part of the trade and goes somewhere else, um, I think Mikel has to go to the Nets. Part of Gambo's reporting was that what if the Nets are interested in draft picks more than more than players? But you need like a, a player of a really decent caliber and to suggest that it could only be Cam Johnson because they don't want DeAndre Ayton or to suggest, I, I thought the, the just money wise, even the point that we kind of have to get past here and why this is taking so long too, is that I can't believe that there's a chance that Mikel or Miles Turner or whoever is actually going to be the best player coming back in a deal for Kevin Durant. I couldn't get past that for about a day once DeAndre got here, but the longer this went on, the more I felt like, okay, the Suns are in control of this and they're just negotiating right now. Now, if Toronto really wants to just go nuts and swing for the fences and include Scotty Barnes, who is going to make at least like three, four, five all NBA teams in his career and probably a whole lot more. Uh, we've been kind of drooling over him. I've been drooling over him on this podcast the last couple of weeks and just keep mentioning him because he's really just hasn't, wasn't talked about a lot, even if he was rookie of the year, but he's He's the like Toronto now in the same way of Devin Booker after his rookie year. Toronto's like, okay, whatever happens in the next five years, like we'll have Scotty Barnes in five years and we build around him and then everything else is just supplementary around him. That's what they've got with him. Are they willing to give up on that for Kevin Durant when they don't? And and that's like that's the only thing that could happen here to really mess this up, in my opinion. If if Durant gets traded, if Durant is traded somewhere that is not Phoenix and there is not that blue chip A plus guy that I've been talking about on the radio for the last couple of days included in that deal, that means that the Suns just weren't willing to give up what they should have been willing to give up for Kevin Durant, which includes Mikael Bridges, unfortunately, which includes guys like Cam Johnson, unfortunately, which includes picks. And to get to another point of this, we'd have to, if I'm creating a, a quadratic formula, Kevin, for draft pick conversion. How much more valuable is Kevin Durant than Rudy Gobert? Three times more valuable? Four times more valuable? Five times more valuable? Yeah. So when Minnesota gives up, how much more valuable is Kevin Durant than DeJounte Murray? DeJounte Murray fetched three unprotected first-round picks. Gobert, four. I believe it's it's three unprotected, and then one is top five protected in 2029, and then two swaps, too. 
and then they got a fifth one basically with with uh, Walker Kessler who got selected in the twenties, and Vanderbilt. Like that, there were pieces in that, and they got players play. too. So all of those hauls that those two teams got for guys who were three, four, five less times valuable than someone like Kevin Durant just breaks the the conversion rate. It just does. Because when Mikel Bridges had his contract extensions talking coming up, Kevin, I remember we were looking at what OG and Anobi got, and we were like, okay, what Jonathan Isaac got, and we were like, okay, Mikel's getting at least twenty million a year. We kept looking at that and saying, like, he's getting at least twenty. Yeah, and, and that happens with these trade talks. It just does too. Because why should Brooklyn say, wait, so you're gonna you're gonna give us okay, you're not, you're not gonna give us Mikel, you're gonna give us four, you're gonna give us the same amount of picks that, and again, the Suns can only offer four of their own, and they only have their own picks right now. So can you reroute DeAndre somewhere else, get more picks? That's what Gambo yeah. was talking about on Friday. I, I don't know really where this ends um, in terms of when, which is going to – I think I'm at the point now, Kevin, where I'm just like, okay, whenever it happens, it happens. I think I got there yesterday. I was spending all weekend just, when's it happening? When's it happening? When is my whole day going to change? When is my whole week going to change? When am I going to get to work here? And then I was just like, whatever. It's just like, I, I don't know. One more th- – the last thing. Yeah. To go back to Durant, I do not know how on earth you can look at what happened to Philly last year and think about letting this drag into the regular season or even August or or not August, September. I don't even know how you can reasonably think about that because Simmons was just hanging around. Maury was like, I'm waiting for the deal, waiting for the deal. He got the deal, Kevin. When did he get the deal? He got it in February and then they had two months to figure out James Harden and Joel Embiid, which they did to a certain extent. They were extremely efficient. But, I mean, you're, you're taking this team that formed two months ago and then being like, okay, can we win a championship right now? And it's like, no, you can't because no team can sort of have that major of a shift two, three months before the season. So for Philly to do that and now for Brooklyn to kind of be in that position where it's like, do you want Ben Simmons checking his phone while he's on the practice court and then Doc Rivers kicking him out of practice. Do you want that sort of circus? Now, Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons don't seem like similar personalities to me. No. A lot less volatile that Durant fella seems like. But with that in mind, Kevin, it's just an example of how you really want to let this fester and just kind of sit there while you wait for the type of deal and do what Maury did. I think what Maury did was an example of why not to do this. And I don't think that there's any reason why. And this is why... We're going to hear from Brooklyn's side, like we had the anonymous GM thing in Bleacher Report today where it's like, oh, DeAndre Ayton, Cam Johnson, McCovers, five first-round picks. I wouldn't do that for Kevin Durant. <laughs> it's like, okay, we heard that from Brooklyn's side. Oh, and, and then from Phoenix's side, like why why would you? I don't think that was from Brooklyn's side either, though. I think it was from the I think it's from side. Random, I think it was from random people. Yeah. The What? We've seen – I've read – not read. I've seen articles on the Pacers, Pelicans – trailblazers raptors of like oh we could get kevin duran in a trade when he hasn't mentioned them at all and that's to me where all of this reporting is coming from right now is just like no one knows and i think it's reasonable to think that like the rudy gobert trade obviously you're not going to give up even close to a player to get kevin durant anyone really no one really can give up a great player, and I don't think they necessarily have to is the thing. But you're still going to have to have... We, we've seen signals from Brooklyn with the TJ Warren signing um, that they at least want to be like a competitive team and that kind of thing. So I think if you sent them back like three 
rotation players and every pick imaginable on the Suns end and maybe add a few more, then maybe that gets it done and it's like, oh, we didn't give up. You know, I still think it'd be Mikel Bridges is the best player or you have Mm -hmm. to throw him and someone, I don't know, Miles Turner somehow in there, something like that, but... Yeah, it feels like DeAndre to San Antonio or or Indiana, and then Brooklyn gets a center from that that is not DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. So it's Miles Turner or Yaka Pirtle, And then yeah. I'm going to keep mentioning San Antonio, by the way. Um, yeah. They still haven't signed Sohan yet. I'm just waiting for the dotted line there for him specifically. So, I yeah, I... I'm with you. It's it's something like right. It's like it's like Shamit's in there or Crowder's in there too. I think we mm-hmm. haven't talked about names like that. Yeah, that make a lot of sense too. It's just adding them another capable rotation player. Probably not Dario now with the centers that they have right now, which we'll talk about here in a minute. They need to find more picks. I think. What might be I think the major I think that's up. the yeah. I think that's the thing. Yeah. Do you even want to predict when this gets done? I think it gets done by the end of the week. I think. Ooh. I think it could go like end of the month when does training camp start i don't think it really matters but the other thing i guess is the Suns and deandre Ayton want to figure out where he's going and that could get some movement see that's the thing i think i think deandre just knows where he's going yeah. I, I just think that he already knows and it's just a matter of it's just a matter of getting there and it's just a matter of him kind of winding up where he's going to wind up. I just had to double check. Sohan hasn't signed with San Antonio yet. Blake Wesley did, who's one of their three first round picks. Uh, Malachi Branham hasn't either. It's interesting. I'm just I'm just keeping an eye on it. Um, I I've, There's been nothing out of San Antonio. They've barely, they signed Gorgie Jang and that's it. So the other uh, element of that, which we won't get into because you're hearing it enough when you turn on ESPN, is the Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving. Uh. Indiana and San Antonio are clearly sitting here with cap space and they're going to use it in some way. Now they... The odds are it's going to be taking on salary for a team and getting an asset or two in return. That makes a lot of sense for them. Because as John Wall showed last year, Houston showed, to go again with past precedent, like you can just get Westbrook in San Antonio, but then just say, like, no, you can stay home. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. You, you can just, okay, you don't want to buy out? Okay, you can stay home. That's fine. You can go sit in the bench and... Watch basketball. Yeah. Now, if you want to be like, yeah, if you want to be like a positive part of the team while not playing, then yeah, you can you can stay on the bench with us and be a part of the team, but we're not going to play you, so I mean, you can just stay home. San Antonio was like, Gallinari, it was a good run, man. We got our picks. Feel great. Go play for the Celtics or whatever. So yeah, it's... Qu- quick minute update desk. Yeah. Kellen Olsen's Western Conference. How much did it get better? Update desk. Did Minnesota move into the group we're talking about? I don't know what they're doing. I don't think you could you can possibly say that they're going to be as good as or better than the four or five best teams in the West, including the Suns, until we see it. Who's even in their rotation right now? That's that's a big problem that no one is talking about. I, I heard Lowe and, uh, Low and Krasinski center. from the Athletic talking about it on, on Zach Lowe's podcast, and they were talking about how just like the top eight of this team competes with just about any in the in the league, and I don't see that at all. Like they had a Kyle Anderson, which is cool. They had a Brent Forbes, which is cool. Jaden McDaniels is Jaden McDaniels is one of those like I like Jaden McDaniels things, but it's it's Jaden McDaniels. <laughs> like you can't you can't act like him as your fourth best player is is really really good. Um, is he's, Jalen Noel, a free agent. I don't know. They brought him back, I believe. Okay. I believe they brought back Nas as well. I think. I don't know. I want to say. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure, but they've got. 
they've got pieces there for sure. But again, I, I talked about this on Friday. I keep remembering I haven't talked about it on this podcast because I've been, yeah. I, I did 16 segments of radio, which <laughs> ruins your brain for things like this in terms of remembering when you said things. But I think that Utah got a pretty decent haul player wise. Oh, yeah. They like gave that. up four rotation players, basically. And Utah, if they are trying to figure out this Donovan thing, could be like a could be a playing team for sure. Mm-hmm. And everyone's acting like that's a terrible thing. And it's like, oh, well, no, like if they're 500 and competing for a playoff spot, it's playing is the same as six. Like you yeah, just got to win a little more. But yeah, nothing. I don't think there's anything wrong with them dropping to that tier as long as they're competitive. And that's what the plan allows. Like that's the Wembenyama thing, which, by the way, do teams like it did did half the front offices in the league wake up from a coma and not check the updated lottery odds for teams right now? Because teams are just selling for Wembenyama and Scoot Henderson, and it's like, great, you have a 7% chance, even if you get the bet. I don't I don't know what the numbers are. They're, they're better than that for the team that gets first, but the first best odds. But holy smokes, okay, the update desk went longer than two minutes. We'll, we'll hit on that more in, in the coming weeks in terms of how the West kind of unfolded. San Antonio got rid of DeJounte, which put them in the tanking spot in terms of like another competitive-ish teams. Sacramento got Herder. Golden State lost Gary Payton. They lost Otto Porter. They gained Dante DiVincenzo. They brought back Kevon Looney. They're going to be playing Kuming and Moody a lot, it seems like, which is going to take time for them, probably. Memphis hasn't really... They lost Junior Jackson Jr. to a foot injury. Oh, yeah. That was kind of serious, huh? Clippers got John Wall. We talked about that last episode. That's a good pickup. It's probably the Clippers in terms of who I had to pick. Lots in terms of, of re-signings, yeah. Yeah. Clippers just look good because of all the guys coming back healthy, you think. Let's quickly run through a couple of the new Suns, shall we? Yeah. Uh, to end the KD conspiracy theory, not really conspiracy theory, but just a theory theory. The Suns added two wings, Kevin, and the uh... deepest position on the team is wings. Now, why did they do that? I'm doing, <laughs> the, doing, I'm doing the wind horse finger point. Why did they do that? Double finger point, different Why directions. is that? Why is that? Lean back. The positions, uh, uh, just the, the roster as it stands right now is heavily... Uh, weighted towards wings, which is not unusual. Not anything crazy in the league. Smaller wings. Smaller wings. They clearly, clearly still have a couple of moves to make. They signed Josh Okoji from Minnesota. Someone who, if you go back into the depths of the Empire of the Suns podcast, you'll find some draft takes on us from him out of Georgia Tech. We liked him. Yeah. Fun player. Very scrap defensive minded yeah is the best way to say it kevin uh i buy into the theories that the similar i have similar thinking with david our australian correspondent sam and mike from the timeline okoji could wind up being a pretty important player for this team if this trade happens if mikhail bridges is in it which we both think if the trade happens that means mikhail bridges is in it okoji immediately becomes the best point of attack defender on the team he probably becomes the best, I don't want to say best overall defender, it's probably still Chris Paul or, or Jake Crowder if, if one of them is still here, or if Jake Crowder is still here, I should say, because Chris is going to be here. You want to hear some not-so-good developments, Kevin, on, on that front in terms of just one statistic that really implies how Josh Okoji could probably not still be a part of the rotation and is more likely to be on the bottom third of the roster as opposed to actually prominently He's, featured? He does struggle to do the scoring of the efficient type 
2018 draft member Josh Okoji entered the league in the 18-19 season. There are 220 players who have attempted at least 500 three-pointers since then. Uh-oh. Where do you think Josh Okoji ranks in three-point percentage amongst the 220? Bottom five. 220th. Okay. 27.5%. That is worse than Jimmy Butler, Giannis, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Josh Jackson, Darius Baisley, Trey Lyles, De'Aaron Fox, Cam Reddis, Justin Jackson, Spencer Dinwiddie, Chumo Kiki, John Morant, Ricky Rubio, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Blake Griffin-Kyle, Kuzma, Karis LeVert, on and on. Um, It it is, I think, with what his skill set is, if he was just pretty below average as a shooter we're talking like 32 to 34 percent i think this is a lot more manageable and you could really work it in a la the tory craig range is that fair kevin to say if he was in the tory craig range of being a shooter that maybe that you could see this a little bit more um which is why i'm not sure what his role is on the team and i'm starting to think that tory craig is kind of important to them if they do this kevin durant trade and they might want to and I don't think about Koji starting. I think about Tory Craig starting, to be honest. Huh. That's who yeah. I think about starting if Mikel's gone. Um, because you need someone to guard the number one guy on the other team. Uh, Devin Booker should not do that. Chris Paul should not do that. Need them to save their legs. Kevin Durant should not do that. Okay, who's that wing? Might be Tory Craig. Uh, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. There, there could be other moves in place. Maybe Jay Crowder is still here, and maybe Jay Crowder just starts, and he takes that assignment. But again, like John Morant, Steph Curry... De'Aaron Fox, I just mentioned Dejounte Murray, like who? Trey Young, I I don't know, I'm not sure. Eh. But Akoji is a is such an interesting player that we have to kind of bring up. I I don't want to go that far, but he's interesting enough to where we have to like kind of bring up the three point percentage, just kind of dampen it a little bit because he's a smart player. He's very intense defensively. And just physical on the ball. You keep bringing up point of attack with him just because it's... Seven-foot wingspan I just saw. Yeah, it's a, a 6'4 re- frame. Yeah, it's a really big on-ball thing. Those three-point percentages, though, he hasn't even had a season where he's hit 30 yet. He was at 29.8% last year, but basically didn't play for Minnesota. His minute total dropped from 1197 to 516 this year. His minutes, his total minutes actually every season have, have gone down a little bit. Now, like injuries he's, and stuff... I mean, on bad Minnesota teams, he was starting, and it's kind of tailed off as they've gotten a little better. So, I mean, if that tells you anything, it's that, like, you can trust him. Haven't seen enough of him yet. I'm going to go back and watch some games from him a year or two ago uh, in August, but that's an August thing, not a right now thing, Kevin. Got to be honest with everyone. We talked about him out of Georgia Tech, and I just remember thinking, like, oh, like, if he can, like, run some stuff, then... That's really interesting. And from what I'm looking at, the assist and turnover numbers don't really benefit him that well. The The turnovers are low, but assists 1.6 per game in his second year. That was with 1.4 turnovers per game. I think that the good news with him is with how he shoots it from three, you have to be efficient with your twos. And he shot 49%, 50%, 53% the last three seasons on his twos, which is good stuff. 3.1 free throws a game, Kevin, in his second year. So a guy who wasn't really featured that much at all, took only six shots a game, but was getting to the line a lot. So there's some slashing there. And uh, don't say this out loud about Damian Lee, Kevin, or Warriors fans will come at you like they came at me for saying, suggesting that Damian Lee was athletic. Did you see that? I got like, I actually got, I would venture to say, I'll go look right now, at least 100 replies slash quote tweets from Warriors fans making fun of me for calling Damian Lee athletic. I'm sorry. He's a dec- he's like an average athlete. 
I think Damian Lee is. Now, Koji is is the athleticism that we've been talking about. Would you agree? Yeah, a little more. But, like, Damian he, Lee can get past guys off the bounce, which is... maybe. So that's where I should toss it to you. Do you think a Koji or Lee has a better chance of playing next year? I think... This is because this is not... I think both guys are not in Alfred Payton break glass in case of emergency signing. Right. I think they have a decent chance of playing, but who do you think has the Lee better Lee just shot? has more offensive... More well-rounded on that end, I think. And, yeah, it depends. Like, that's where when your roster makeup is, if it was three stars where you do throw Torrey Craig or Koji out there and you don't care they're good at offense or not. But I guess Damian Lee would fit the current team more if it's more of a running back type situation, I think. I think I'm. I think I can settle on that. I think with the role we're talking about, where at least two of these phenomenal basketball players, again, we're operating in the world where Kevin Durant is on the Suns, because they have six wings now, and it's like I, I don't think I think one of these guys was signed to have a shot at playing. And right now, of course, if you have Torrey Craig, Jay Crowder, Cam Johnson, and Mikael Bridges, they're not gonna. I mean, it has it leads to the is Shamit campaign safe stuff too i guess campaign less but the shamit thing because lee and koji are more perimeter wings than they're not dribble guys yeah so it's like it's not just a mikel thing even to me it's like do you sell shamit off for a pick just to give another pick to something i don't know the way that i'll phrase it kevin is that lee is i think you have to worry about him less He's going to knock down his shots more. He's Worry going about to, the lineup around him less, yes. He's going yeah. to make less... He's less erratic and explosive and just more consistent. Uh, I saw a Warriors writer who kind of touched on how Warriors fans were like, thank God this guy's gone. He sucks. And uh, he basically said that Warriors fans had an expectation that the guys at 10, 11, 12, 13 in the roster are all of a sudden supposed to be these dynamic like six men off the bench and just expectations were too sky high for those guys on the roster. I think like you can look obviously as Gary Payton the second as an example of a guy who had that type of impact in that role. And Damian Lee, Lee is not going to have that type of impact. But I do kind of agree and just watching him a fair bit on these Warriors teams, just seeing a guy who makes smart plays, rarely screws up. Now, is he a positive defender? Off the ball, yes. On the ball, no. Um, is he a positive offensive player overall? If he's shooting 39% from three like he did a, two seasons ago, not if he's shooting 33% from three like he did last year. Right. So it's it's really simple with a lot of these guys. And for him, if the shot is 36, 37, it can be in between that. That's fine. Then then you're getting a positive player here. And I think is someone who, if there was someone to be excited about, which I think there should be because all these guys are. I know we have a Landale Hive already assembling online. <laughs> but I think Lee is the guy to me who makes the most sense as the, okay, put him out there when, if you got, so Chris comes out at six minutes hypothetical ball handler Kevin whether it's campaign whether it's someone else who they don't have on the roster yet comes in when one of the wings kind of checks out uh let's say Durant in the situation or other forward starting Tory Craig Jay Crowder guy not on the roster Lee comes in there for like five six minutes yeah and just does smart stuff is out there with with book a bit is out there with Chris a bit just making little glue guy plays because we're going to talk about that 
if the trade happens, we're just going to talk about how much, and including if Cam Johnson is in the deal too, we're just going to talk about how much this team is going to be missing glue guy impact plays, making your presence known from the wing spot, because that is something that those guys did all of the freaking time. Sorry, I'm looking up Jock Landale game logs for when they play at Arizona. Hmm? Oh, in college? Yeah. Suns acquired Jock Landale from the Atlanta Hawks. He was part of the DeJounte Murray trade. It seems like strictly just to make salaries work because the Suns traded him, traded cash to Atlanta. As I said on Twitter, shout out to the Suns for spending money like this. Yes, was it the lowest amount possible in this situation? It was. But... And it wasn't $5 million like you pay for a high second-round pick or whatever. But they spent money to improve the team. And you know what, Kevin? A slight round of applause for that. To get a player like Jock Landale, who went undrafted in 2018, spent a couple of years playing professionally overseas, gets on the Spurs last year. And I I hate to, like, typecast here, Kevin, but he just he plays like an Australian basketball player. Like, he's really physical. He's super annoying. He's very smart. Like, that's the... I loved watching the Patty Mills-led Australian teams. I love watching them, and it's just because you... Went see, to St. Mary's. He did, just like just like <laughs> old Patty. You, you got the, like, higher-end players, right? Like, you got Ingles, you got all those guys. But then you just see like these Jock Landales, these guys you've never heard of. It's like, oh, yeah, they're tough and they're making smart passes and they're not screwing things up. And it's like, yes, are they getting stuffed at the rim by Kevin Durant or Bam Adebayo? Yes, but they're making smart plays and they're being annoying. And that's what I saw when I watched a little bit of Landale. He's a .5 guy. The way I described it is he's not a playmaker like Dario Sarch. And when we say playmaker, I think people get confused when we talk about these things and use certain terms. Playmaker, I'm talking you can make a couple dribbles and make something happen. Dario can can do that. Now he's not LeBron James, but he can make a couple of dribbles and make a pass. I don't really see Landale as that. I see it more of just, okay, quick pass, DHO, seal yeah. off my guy on the switch. Here I am for the offensive rebound. All, all those kinds of, okay, I do need to take a dribble from the elbow. I see the guy rotating early. Here's the kick out to the corner. Like He can make those passes, and it's pretty impressive for a guy of his size. And just, you need to be really smart first of all Ball see mover, the passes yeah. that he does and they need to be like technically like able to throw the pass and he can all of this is to say kevin and where i turn it to you is and this is again i've got some tape to watch in august i can't speak on his defense i'm not going to sit here and act like i've rolled through a dozen games that he's played to see how he moves defensively i don't know from what i have heard it is somewhere between below average and not not good yeah which would explain again uh, Three-pointers, 1.6 a game, 33%. If he was a better shooter, better defender, this is a guy who's like in an low, NBA rotation right away. Low there. volume, at least, as far as not many games played, I guess. So there's maybe potential there. There's a reason Zach Collins and Drew Eubanks are taking his playing time. You just got to look at that sometimes as well. It was his first year in the NBA, too. So that's a reason to be uh, optimistic because he was a rookie last year. We can use him. As a transition point, Kevin, to get to Bismack Biombo and get to the center rotation. Do you think there's a chance that he is the backup center? I, I can't say starting. I can't go that far. Some people already are, which is, I don't know what's going on there. But can, oh, wait, can you... Bismack? No, Lando. Oh, oh no. Okay. I don't think, I think he's he's the depth piece. I think that he is the Bismack of last year, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right now... 
I'll let you. I'll let you go first. But I don't. Th- I think all of the guys that we're talking about are bottom third of the roster, and no slights at them. They're good bottom third options. I don't think I've said that out loud yet. Like Koji was a good signing. Damian Lee was a good signing. Yeah. Jock Landale is a good acquisition. They traded him again. James Jones, like he just gave up the minimum amount of cash you can, and and they got him. Koji and Lee, vet mins like that. Easy stuff. Bismack Biyombo, vet mins like that's that's easy stuff right there. You're just hoping to get someone who isn't a fringe NBA player. And all three of these guys are not fringe NBA players. Okoji has an NBA skill. Damian Lee is an NBA player. Bismack Biyombo has an NBA skill and is an NBA player. Jock Landale has an NBA skill and is an NBA player. I think it still speaks to DA's back or probably more wingy. I don't like who else is left on the market. I think Suns fans are panicking about Thomas Bryant going to the Lakers or something. That's because he was the only center who feasibly kind of made sense to start for them yes. or be like a real impact in the center rotation. Now you're talking Montrez Harrell, LaMarcus Aldridge, all these guys who did don't Did everyone really make sense. wince when I just said, did you wince when I just said if DA's back? Is that a thing? Mm-hmm. Okay. I didn't wince. I mean, if the Kevin Durant things go, go south, he has to be back. You have no other choice now, pretty much. <sighs> yeah. I mean, Landale shouldn't be your number two, but he could be a number two true center, and you just ish Wainwright, Jay Crowder it up a lot more or something, which they need to re-sign Ish Wainwright still, but he's on their summer league team, so they probably will. I'm sensing something fishy there too, Kev, if I got to say. Yeah. I'm like, are they going to play small? Are they going to look at Dario and then just a wing as their center rotation? And probably a, just and- Dario, yeah. And then are they going to play Bismack for certain matchups where they need a real center or someone beefy to his extent and just having the size, having the strength? I think that there's a decent chance that this is their center rotation on opening night. Yeah. And do I endorse that? No. Do I think that's a good idea? Probably not. It all just would depend on Dario. Dario would just have to have his best season. And and play confidently and play consistently in the way that we've seen. We talked about it an episode ago, two episodes ago, just about how I think people were quick to forget that he lost his minutes in the playoffs and he's been inconsistent over stretches of his career for extended periods of time that have led to him losing his playing time on multiple occasions here. But we've seen him at his best. We've seen the on-off numbers. We've seen all of that. Like He helps them win. And if he can be an average to above average shooter. And then if he can just consistently impact the game in ways that he wasn't before, not hesitate, all those kinds of things, be the player that we know he's coming off of multiple knee injuries. We should probably talk about too, in terms of his role next year. So all of this is to say, I suggested last episode, Kevin, I was like, if they use their TP, if they use their taxpayer mid-level exception, you were like, what they have to, of course, what you like, you have to use it. I, just for some reason, I I think they're going to use it still, but they're almost out of options. There's Dennis Schroeder and Lou Williams at, at ball handler. There's a couple names left at wing. At center, you'd be overpaying for someone if you gave it to them, which is not – if they overpay for someone using that exception, I'm not going to be the first – I'm not going to criticize them for it because you have to – it's a resource. You should yeah, use it. Yeah, yeah, if it If that's what it takes and, like, a guy is asking for four and you can only offer this, like you the 6-5, you should offer them the 6-5. Um, but that's, I, I think what is happening right now is that if you and I have to do this for six more weeks before Kevin Durant is traded, we're going to be running into a wall over and over again. And then things are going to happen. We didn't expect kind of where I'm going yet is that 
I not only think that they have this kind of thing, they're just negotiating and working out details, playing the long game with Brooklyn. I think that they have other deals ready, yeah, yeah, yeah. too. I think they have... It if, doesn't add up. Either way, whether you get KD or not, I don't think anything adds up right now. Okay. Kevin Durant to Brooklyn. Kevin Durant from Brooklyn. That's one. DeAndre Ayton signed and trade to somewhere that's not Brooklyn. I think that's two. And then I think there's a third deal, too. I think there are three right now. I think the expirings yeah. and Mikel. Because, like, you trade Mikel and someone else, there's still other expirings to to manage the roster and get other pieces and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know. I think... Jeremy Sohan starting five, opening night. Calling it now. I'm Ooh. kidding. But something weird like that, right? Like it's Dario and another kind of undersized five kind of... I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder... I could see... Like Dario and Bismack makes sense, but you need something else in there, and that could be a big power forward. It would take small. it would take quite the philosophical change from Monty for sure because he That's, he yeah. loves loves him some centers. But from what we've learned, done a really. That's the one thing in all this, even outside of DA, is every center who has come here, at every power forward who has changed to become a center. That's Dario, Frank, Bismack, Javale, Aaron Baines. Am I missing anyone? That's five guys where they could play any of those NDA, if you want to include them. That's six players that played center and were very successful with this team. So apparently, when you play with CP3 and Book at center, or Ricky Rubio even at point guard, this system just makes centers look good. And that's obviously why they probably aren't wanting to max DA all that. But I would say you need you just need another body. Wasn't Eric Gordon supposed to be on Philly by now? Oh yeah, I don't know. There's too much not happening right now. I, yeah, I think that there are plenty of moves that are waiting to be done right now, not only by the Suns but other teams as well. I'm and just this cur- is this is the pause that I talked about last episode. It's curious because like if is Katie holding up stuff? Yes, for sure. But is there are there moves the Suns can make regardless of that that will set themselves up better for that? But also if that can't go through it still makes sense to do. I think it's going to be a flurry of stuff is all Yes, is what I'm trying to say, I guess. I think whatever day he gets traded, there's going to be a million things that happen, but I also think that there is going to be a Toronto, Boston, New Orleans, whoever else is talking to Brooklyn every day is going to be like, screw it. Like, we're, we're done talking to you. Like, just go get it. Don't Phoenix. We're going to do the other things we're going to do. And it is a matter of, yeah, because other teams have to move on. And it's weird... Other thing we haven't mentioned real quick is KD went to the Nets day before hours before free agency, said what he had to say, and it went out there. And before that, it was like KD hasn't talked to them. Like, that's super crazy. And all this is like, we would, I wonder if we'd hear like, oh, KD's open to going to the Raps or KD's open to going somewhere else. It's not the Suns. Yeah. Or if he's just like, no, I'm not going to put anything else out there. I'm just going to sit in my Brooklyn apartment doing interviews with Letterman or whatever he does. Yeah. And one more waiting thing. I think San Antonio and Indiana could just be sitting there and being like, do you need somewhere to toss Ben Simmons for really, really, really low value? Lowe was talking about that. Like this is the lowest Simmons trade value is ever going to be pretty much. Yeah. 
and Indiana and, and San Antonio who would be willing to take that risk to a certain extent, I would like to think, especially a team like San Antonio. Indiana less so. They've already got Tyrese. They're kind of sorted. Um, but San Antonio looking for that blue chip guy to put next to Webinyama when they win the lottery because, of course, they get the next Tim Duncan guy who's four <laughs> inches taller and also can shoot threes. I think I I just think there's a lot of waiting right now and yeah for whatever reason it's not getting reported why teams are waiting what they're waiting for and who they're waiting on all of that's not getting reported don't know why but we can speculate and that's what we just did for 45 minutes let's run through this summer league roster quickly friday is the first game ish wainwright headlines the group he is currently david reported no qualifying offers for Ish and Ife Lundberg. Ife Lundberg told Dwayne Rankin from the Arizona Republic today he wanted to have an NBA contract if he played summer league for someone because he felt like injury risk-wise he didn't want to risk it. More than obligated to do that, my good sir. Good wishes to him uh, in, in Europe, I guess, because I, I think that's what that means. If I'm going to read into it. <clears throat> but Ish Wainwright is playing. Shout out to Ish. Just got back from Africa. He was playing in the World Cup qualifiers for Uganda, doing well. Weird situation for them. Did you read about this in Umar Balo? No. I, I believe it's Mali who's U- Umar Balo is playing for. Yeah. Their team wasn't like had oh. a wage dispute, like where they didn't they weren't getting paid, and they're like, all right, we're not playing then. <laughs> so then that's Uganda's group, and it's four teams in a group. And so one team just dropped out, so then every team moved on. So Uganda already moved on. Uh, they were struggling against Nigeria and Cape Verde. Um, Cape Verde, by the way, led by, do you remember, Willie Tavares? Oh, yeah. Seven foot four homeboy. I believe that's who it was. I, I don't want to say this. And then, was he on the Hawks? And then, was he a Spurs pick? Uh, be wrong. Or both? Am I, am I thinking of the wrong guy? I, I need to get this right. I'm sorry. Everyone. This is terrible podcasting content. But remember him? It was like five. It was seven foot four. It says it like, Eddie Dominic- Tavares. Excuse me. Willie Eddie Tavares. Oh, no, that's a baseball player. He no, is. He, he is. He is from Cape Bird, though. But it's okay. like it's like the type of highlights you would expect from that type of guy where it's like people just not understanding how. Don't not, try to shoot. Not over playing the against sh- NBA athletic size, let alone someone that massive. And it's just he's got like seven blocks or whatever. Yeah. Ish Don't was, try Chet Holmgren, by the way. Ish playing well for those guys. Got back yesterday, I want to say. Uh, wasn't there for practice, though. Again, this is similar to last year, and I tweeted this. I understand a lot of Suns fans after the way the finals went and just the finals in general, really long year. They just kind of disconnected and didn't even pay attention to Summer League last year. For those of you that were in that camp, the Suns did something that like no other team is doing, which is we're going to grab these guys who were... NBA draft prospects at a time, and they've played for two, three, four, five, six years internationally. We're going to bring them back over and just give them a week or two, spend three weeks with them, get an up close look at these prospects that no one else is like handing out those resources for. No one else is doing that. And I, I think it's interesting and I think it's smart. Do I think it should be a mix? Yes. <laughs> Do I think it should include players from this draft class? Yes. But neither here nor there. You and I talked about this enough two episodes ago um, and not using two-way spots and and all that kind of stuff. McKinley Wright, the fourth, out of Colorado. Uh, Lewis King out of Oregon. 
two Pac-12 names and the two names. There are four guys on this roster who are who have just been in the G League mainly. That's two of them. And then 14 of these 18, they're going to cut down this 18 to a – they're going to cut a couple of names here, and they probably already have by Mitch now. Guard is a no-go for you oh. GCU listeners. Did he Did he already get the He boot? said on Tough Twitter, stuff. that was a nice workout, something. That's unfortunate uh, for him. We, we wish him well back when he's playing in the Netherlands, I believe he's going to be – is where he's going to be at. Um, but just and they went even further, Kevin, this year to names that I was looking at where uh, there's a man, Leonardo uh, Mendel, who is 29 years old out of Brazil. And he's been playing professionally in Brazil since 2011. Cool. So we're talking about guys where shout out. I hope the scout for the Suns is listening, who was locked in on Mendel for the last three years. and was like, let's give this guy a look. Let's give him a look because they're giving him a look now. And then Kareem Jalo. Uh, out of Germany, uh, not as old, but as someone who has been playing, he was on Bayern Munich beginning in in Bayern Munich's program beginning in 2015 in Germany. So the, there are a lot of there are a few guys like that as well, where they've just been strictly like international prospects in their given country, and then there are guys who have kind of bounced around um, a bit more. Uh, Kevin Zhang was someone who went to college in, in Tulane, but then he played in the Chinese Basketball League last year. Was like the all star game your Kevin. or something. Get your Kevin. Get your Kevins in. Marcus McDuffie uh, out of Wichita State was one of the names I was thinking about. Where he's sort of just gone from like Russia to Serbia. Like he's been, he's been a couple of different places. Uh, I believe I'm thinking of the same guy. But 15 total countries and six continents represented on this roster in terms of where they've played. Kevin, uh, there's not much for us to get to here besides that because we have to watch these guys play. We're not locked in on a <laughs> Jevy Floyd tape right now. I'm sorry to say I have heard from our. Um, is it NBL? Is that what it's called? The uh, the yeah. Australian and New Zealand League. Uh, I'm going to butcher the name here. Joe Luau Aquil uh, Jr., uh, seven-footer who played at Baylor, and then Duop Reith. I've heard both of them uh, are from there and have some giddy-up to them. Uh, the first guy that <laughs> some I'm... Some giddy-up. Some giddy-up to That's them. Not... <laughs> some hype to them, I should say. Sorry, I'm struggling. Uh, homeboy that I mentioned first, he was teammates with Jock Landale. So they, they really hit the Australia pipeline here pretty hard. You love to see Good it. Pipeline, yeah. McKinley Wright's probably an NBA player, right? Like he's 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 just okay, I I, I should I should rephrase that. McKinley Wright deserves to have NBA attention. Yeah. Yeah. That one I get. Louis King is it Louis or Lewis? Lewis. I don't know. Sorry. I, I asked him yesterday. I did cool. I did Good. I did the big one. I asked, How do you pronounce your name, sir? He told me Lewis. <sighs> What's he? He's he's a good athlete. Lewis King, six seven, wing out of Oregon, played there for a year, made Pac twelve uh, all freshman team, went to the draft, got two different two ways, one from Detroit, one from Sacramento. Shooter, uh, yeah. shot thirty nine percent from three for Oregon for four attempts per game, and then last year in the G League was similar numbers. Athletic and and long, but not like he's like if Solomon Hill had gone left school early where it's like nothing really stands out but you look at him on an nba court and it's like that guy belongs does stuff warriors fans have like a three-story condo in my head now when i call someone athletic because it's like so i'm going to refer to that as damian lee athletic now where lewis king is athletic but is he like outlier athletic no like he's athletic he, nba athleticism or at least capable meets the threshold because like if you went I shouldn't say it not watching all these guys, but when you watch the Suns summer league roster hit the floor, they're not going to be very athletic. 
Olivier Saar is someone we should mention. He was one of those guys where he put up a lot of numbers for OKC, and they're like, don't do that, and then they cut him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just crazy. Do you remember the guy who had like 26 and 20 or something? I can't. No. Oh, there was someone who I'd never heard of who had like a monster night for them and like single-handedly won them a game, and then they cut him. <laughs> like, you can't <laughs> I don't do know. that here, man. <laughs> like, you can't do that here. Ugh. What a weird world those people live in. They have Chet Holmgren now, so life is good. Oh. The next Kevin Durant slash Jerk Nowitzki slash whatever you want to say. They let him dribble and stuff, which like it made sense why Gonzaga didn't, but also like they, that's yeah, why they, I hate that's why that this that's what makes me a college basketball hater is when you see him do all that stuff last night. And it's just like oh. Vassini was tweeting about it's like Scotty Barnes who we've talked about. It's like you could you you don't have room to dribble. You just don't have room to dribble right. on those courts. Everyone's playing zone all the time. It's like you can't. And he tried a couple of ones where he's like dribbling into traffic and he's like, oh, wait, there's a space. Okay, I, I need to like calibrate myself to this a little more, but I just never did it last year. When the Dirk fadeaway, when he shot the Dirk fadeaway, my takeaway wasn't, oh my God, look at that Dirk fadeaway. It's like he's never had that much room for that shot in his right. life until now because second, third defender coming over, not right now. They're going to let him take that 18 footer all the time. And if he can make it, uh, power to him if he can be a guy who hits threes off the dribble like that then holy smokes is he going to be one heck of a player regardless of if he weighs 170 pounds or whatever it is yeah i think uh, ahmad caver um butchering the pronunciation there was another guy who um was around like the g league as well i think those are the four guys uh that sar mckinley wright king and uh, caver are the four who have been like in the NBA pipeline essentially, and then everyone else is just we'll see what they get. And and the thing is, Kevin, we can sit here if you want to be one of those people who sits here and like mocks the Suns for taking this unique approach and being different. Ish Wainwright is exactly this type of guy, and they already found one. They found an NBA player already doing this type of look and, and getting these types of players in. So no one should mock it. They scouted it. Just use your two way contracts, you know. Yeah. All right, buddy. So that's my prediction. Next time we podcast, we're talking about Kevin Durant. I think he gets done in a week. Okay. I, I hope you're right. I don't know what, I, what we're going to do otherwise. Is DeAndre really just going to sit there and just wait for his sign-and-trade? What's crazy is other teams have to like not be afraid to lock themselves into it if they send an offer sheet. Yeah, what happens to the sign? And, I, I would assume the sign and trade happens regardless of Kevin Durant or not. Yeah, and it's just helping the Kevin Durant trade if it's happening. And That's what I not, think we're waiting on. You... God, I can't wait to talk about basketball teams and not speculating about who and where and yeah. why and what and how. I uh, just a mess. Okay, buddy, you gonna have a good week here? NHL yeah. NHL draft tomorrow. If you're listening to this within 48 hours, or really if you're listening to this at any time, I'm on Burns and Gambo Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Monday. Huge. Swing by. It's been a good week for us. Puck talk on Thursday. We're live from Wild Horse Pass Casino. When Kevin, we were joking about this before Kevin that's Durant be getting tough. traded. Yeah, that's going to be tough on, on the Coyotes if Kevin Durant gets traded at like 1.30 and we're there at the Coyotes draft party talking about Kevin Durant for four hours because you have to talk about Kevin Durant for four hours if you get Kevin Durant on your market's basketball team. All right, buddy. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week.